Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to Arizona Good Business Radio, featuring leaders in the Arizona business community working to build a lasting impact throughout our state through doing good business. I'm your host, Thomas Barr, Vice President of Business Development at Local First Arizona. We are a statewide organization advocating for and celebrating locally owned businesses. We are the largest local business coalition in North America, providing resources to over 3,000 small businesses and raising awareness of the benefits of building a strong local economy. Today, I'm proud to be joined by Melinda, the Chief Executive Officer, and Angela, the Chief External Affairs Officer of First Things First. Melinda and Angela, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to have both of you here today. We have uh, been partners with First Things First for several years now, and um, I think that right off the bat, we found such commonality in our commitment to building a better Arizona, right? Both from our our different organizations, missions, and perspectives, and Melinda being new to the role. Congratulations, right. by the way. Thank you. We're excited to get an update today. What's what's going on in the in, in child care in Arizona, and how does that connect to the business community? So, would love to start out for those that maybe haven't heard our past episodes or been familiar with First Things First. What is First Things First? Um, what do you focus on? What's your mission? And um, and and where are things at with you today? Great. Thank you, Thomas. We really appreciate the opportunity to be here with you today and talk a little bit about uh, First Things First and early childhood in general. So First Things First was created through a citizens initiative in 2006, and this really established for the first time in Arizona a dedicated funding source for early childhood programs and services. Um, in our state. Uh, We are pleased to be able to work statewide um, through the help of tobacco revenues, which is our pretty much our sole source of funding. Mm -hmm. Um, With those revenues, we're able to provide programs and services for young children and their families throughout the state in all areas of our state. We work in a few main areas, um, quality early learning, family support programs such as home visitation or parent coaching, uh, parent education programs, and then also supporting children's health. Um, So we look at a whole child perspective when we look at early childhood those first five years. And we're also pleased to really have the support of local communities through our 28 regional councils. Mm. So throughout the state, those councils are made up of community volunteers, Um, from different sectors of the community, including the business sector. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have those voices at the table to really think about what are the programs and services for young children that are needed in our community. First Things First focuses on those first five years. We focus on babies, toddlers, and preschoolers because we know that the most rapid time of brain development happens in those first five years. Right. So it's really a golden opportunity to help set children up for the rest of their lives. Right, right. Thank you so much. That was the most thorough, <laughs> succinct overview I think anybody's ever given on the show. So <laughs> fantastic. I know in the past we've had conversations and we've even brought in child care providers before in the middle of the pandemic, as we all knew, so many struggles and challenges childcare providers have been facing the last, not only the last two years, but but all the time, but especially the last few years with everything through the pandemic. So what is the state of what childcare providers are dealing with now? How are they doing? What challenges or obstacles do they continue to face? I, you know, we all hear on the news the the general challenges that businesses are facing and 
I think a lot of the times the community forgets that childcare providers are businesses too, right? So how is that folding over to the childcare uh, industry right now? Thanks, Thomas. Again, thank you for having us. We're so appreciative of our partnership with first with Local First and First Things First. You're exactly right. So childcare operators and providers are small businesses and they're not immune to the same issues that all business is facing. Mm-hmm. Even before the pandemic, 48% of Arizona was a childcare desert, meaning that access to high-quality early learning opportunities was not available throughout the state. And one year of infant care cost as much as college tuition for an in-state student. Oh, which wow. Is, if you think about it, families plan for college for their kids' whole life. Right. But <laughs> right out of the gate, they're paying as much as a one year of college tuition wow. for infant care. Two and a half years later, after the onset of COVID-19, finding available, accessible, quality care that's affordable is harder than ever. And um, as we talked about before, most of our state's child care providers are local small business owners. They're struggling just like others are with mm-hmm. increased cost. And even though child care workers love their jobs, they're forced in many cases to leave the industry because of the low wages. Mm-hmm. You know, the balance between the high costs and the wages that providers can pay. Right. They're we're seeing a lot of early care professionals leave the industry. So historically, they've been one of the most underpaid professions, and with inflation and the cost of living continuing to increase, many of them are forced to leave. So child care providers are short-staffed. They're uh, not providing all of the available space that they have just because of the balance of ratios required in child care centers. And so the higher costs, the availability of staff um, is really pinching our child care providers. Sure, sure. So um, as we, I guess, look at at all of those challenges, right, and um, we, we put it over through the lens of, of child care as a business in Arizona or child care as a, as a need, right? And, and I've said this on previous interviews and shows before, is that even if you don't have children, this is an issue that affects you, right? right. Because it's it's a ripple effect in, in the economy. It's a ripple effect naturally just in the community. Hearing stories all the time from childcare providers, you know, if, if the provider has an individual that is low staffed and has an individual that calls out and they don't have the staff to care for the number of children that are expected to come for that day and that that business has to start calling parents mm-hmm. to come pick up their kids. All of a sudden, let's say those are 10 parents. Those are 10 people working jobs, you know, and if if you're, you know, going into a restaurant or, you know, a, a store or whatever it is, and you're wondering why they're low staffed, well, it's potential that it rippled from a case like that, right? And so affects every single person. So, is childcare getting the attention that it deserves, that it needs, the funding, the resources, the, I, I guess, you know, it's almost like we, we want to call it a crisis at mm-hmm. this point in time where are we putting enough attention and resources into it right now? Well, we thank you for having us here to talk about it. We're having this conversation yeah. all over the state right now. And many of our listeners, your listeners, are experiencing, just like you talked about, the ripple effect of the lack of available childcare. 
So we know, based on a recent report by the U.S. Chamber uh, Foundation, that 77% of Arizona parents reported missing work in the last three months. Wow. Because of child care <laughs> issues. And that 6% of parents have voluntarily left the workforce due to the lack of availability of child care. Wow. So it is a crisis, and it's affecting families and parents and employers across the state. The study also found that the state loses $1.7 billion annually because of child care issues. This includes Arizona employers losing $1.4 billion annually due to absences and employee turnover. And the state loses almost $350 million in tax revenue hmm. due to child care issues. So this is a... an. It's not just affecting the individual, it's, a, it's affecting the state's economy. Right. So our state has received $1.2 billion in federal assistance through pandemic relief funds, ARPA funds, sure. which has been a lifeline. And we're using those funds to address the crisis immediately and stabilize the industry. Mm-hmm. But those, those funds run out in right. 2024. So we're having this conversation all over the state with policymakers, with as Angela talked about, our council members to build mm-hmm. capacity in the state and in the industry to stabilize childcare in the long term. Right, right. So I can only imagine as uh, as an organization, you're uh, always looking for best practices, right? Um, looking not only at maybe what individual childcare centers are doing to come up with solutions themselves to address the challenges, but also looking potentially outside the state, you know, what what's happening across the country? Are there any states that are addressing this head-on really well? And so you mentioned a little bit about what's been done, right? Mm-hmm. Some funding that's come through. Based off of your perspective and your research and your analysis of what individual centers are doing or what other states are doing, um, what can what should be done or what can be done that maybe others other states might be doing or implementing to address what I guess we should call a crisis, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So a couple of things. We've got some concurrent actions going on right now. We're working in partnership with the Bipolicy Partisan Committee with seven other states who are facing the same type of impact on their state's economy to understand the public policy initiatives at the federal level that we can bring back to our state we would love to see continue investment from the federal level and the state level in early childhood because, as Angela talked about before, our investment in early childhood is the best investment we can make. It mm-hmm. saves down the road in all sorts of issues related to school success and, and job security and workforce development down the road. Mm-hmm. So we're working in partnership with other states in in particular, we're working with Idaho right now because our state's uh, economy is similar and the impact on available child care is similar. Sure. But we're also telling the story about how important quality early learning experience and, and available access is for parents throughout the state. And obviously, Arizona is a really diverse state with some very large metropolitan areas, but a lot of young children living in rural areas. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we're working with providers, but also home centers and family, friend, and neighbor care to to really provide those professional development and learning opportunities for people caring for children about how to stimulate 
early learning, brain development, and early literacy. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we had that uh, conversation a while ago um, surrounding the the impact on rural, right? Mm-hmm. And um, should you be a, uh, a parent in need of childcare in, in rural, um, how much further distance you may have to go or the limited number of childcare centers that may be in your, I mean, there might just be one, right? <laughs> and if right. they can't serve the need in that area, it um, it really impacts everybody. And so Local First actually serves as the Arizona Rural Development Council in Arizona. Mm-hmm. We're always looking and having these conversations as well, because again, it, it impacts every everyone, right? It impacts retention of youth in the area as they grow right. older. It impacts the economy, every, everything. So, yeah. So from that perspective of kind of looking at, across the state, um, is there anything that businesses can do? We always like to think through, you know, what... How, how can we make a call to action to the business community? You know, we've said several times now this impacts everyone. And from local first perspective, we always like to call on the community to be accountable and responsible for making our state a better place. So if you're a small business owner or um, a medium-sized business in Arizona, what can you be doing? Um, how can you be being proactive or having conversations? Or uh, what, are, what are the action items that businesses can jump into? Sure, there is a lot that our local business community can do to help um, this area of childcare, and we know that childcare is um, a multi generational issue. It's something that impacts the workforce of today, as we were talking about workers who are need to get to work tomorrow, and they need a, a place, a safe place to take their child for childcare. But it also impacts our workforce of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So those children who are receiving what we want them to receive, which is high quality care, that's really going to set them up to have those skills that are needed later when they um, get out of high school, when they go on to college, when they go on into our workforce. Those skills like communication skills, working with others, those are all developed in their early years. Science mm. is tell- showing us that um, those critical executive function skills are established in those first five years. Mm. So it's imperative both for today's workforce and tomorrow's workforce that we all are part of that solution, that long-term solution. So I think as individual businesses, our business community can help parents mm. who are working working in their companies um, by really looking at what are the childcare challenges that you face. Um, is there a way that we as a business can help support you through things like predictable work schedules? Mm-hmm. That's really important for families who need to plan out their childcare. So if you're able to provide a week or two weeks notice of what the, that work schedule will be for a family and for a parent, that'll be really helpful. Um, things that looking like at subsidies, is there a way that we can help to subsidize some of the child care that you're facing as an employee? Um, so that's something that individual businesses can do. The other thing they can do um, as a fellow business owner, we talked about child care owners um, being small businesses, connect with the local community of child care workers in your area, Mm -hmm. um, get to know them, establish a relationship, um, go visit them. They're always wanting to share the work that they do. They're they're doing really important work. 
Um, so to help build that connection in the community, I, I think those small business owners can really help to um, show them that we care about the work that you're doing. We value the work that you provide for our families yeah. um, and get to know them, build a relationship. And then finally, as a group, our business community here in Arizona can be a voice for childcare and the importance of childcare as an infrastructure issue. Mm-hmm. This is not just a family issue. This is an infrastructure issue for our state. So as a business community, how can you share stories of what the challenges that your employees face in child in finding quality childcare? Right. That's reliable, affordable, accessible. Um, share those stories with our policymakers, uh, both at the local level, at the state level. You can be a voice to bring this issue um, up to to uh, the level of attention that it really deserves and needs. Yeah, that's great. So you sparked so many just thoughts and, and ideas in my mind. Um, one of the things that we're always doing at Local First is bringing together the business community in partnership with you, I know, to elevate those stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're listening and would love to participate in that, I'm sure we'll come up with more opportunities in the next year. I know we've had interviews that have been put out and we're showcasing stories of businesses, but also um, we've had opportunities where we bring together the representatives from the legislature to hear from small businesses. And so um, love those those partnership opportunities to do that. One of the interesting things I heard you talk about was, you know, just being flexible as a business, kind of thinking outside the box on how you can be a little bit more proactive and different. We recently had um, an employee who um, has a young child. I, I believe she's, you know, I think she was turning seven at the time. We were hosting a networking event and the staff person called me and said, hey, I actually can't get childcare tonight, but um, I'm working, you know, the networking event. Is it okay if I bring her? And I said, absolutely. And so we called the business. And we're like, hey, like we're going to have a seven-year-old there. <laughs> Do you have anywhere that she can, you know, set up in color or anything like that? Uh, we ended up finding out that her birthday was the next day. Hmm. So I go around to all the businesses and I'm like, hey, let's let's sing happy birthday the birthday to this girl, like after we do our introductions and things. So the whole room sings happy birthday to her. I find out the next day her mother, who who worked for us at the time, says to her on the ride home, that was the best birthday ever. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes it's just like, like, what is the that's an impact on that child, right? And we could have very much been not flexible, right? Mm-hmm. And, and said, yeah. no, sorry, you know, or you can make it an experience, right? And and come into that individual's life and, and have an impact with them. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Are there any other stories or things that stand out to you that you're seeing in the community right now that businesses are doing that are different or, you know, proactive with um, yeah, addressing addressing the challenge head on right now? Sure. I think that, as Melinda was saying, this um, this crisis that the pandemic really put the child care industry into um, really helped to elevate and bring to light some of the challenges that we've always had in our state with child care. So that is a positive. That is a positive outcome that there are, is more of a focus on the child care industry and its importance to our state. So we are seeing um, more people raise their voices for this important issue. We're seeing more people come to the table to be part of the solutions. Um, so we're hoping to continue that. And we really encourage um, any businesses who are listening today to connect with us on our website, firstthingsfirst.org. You can take a look there at all of the different resources that are available throughout the state, including in your community. And um, we hope that we can continue this partnership and this relationship and really 
work together towards some long-term solutions. I would just also add, Angela and I are both working parents, Mm. and the flexibility that all businesses have shown for working parents has really supported, I think, just the the safety of all families and the work-life balance of all employees in Arizona, and that's a great outcome. And it's important for us to remember that child care providers are building brains mm-hmm. every single day, every single moment, every single interaction, and parents are too. They partner with working parents to help children write the first and most important chapter of their life story. And they make Arizona possible to work, right? Mm-hmm. They, they give employees the infrastructure, as Angela was talking about, to be able to provide their best self at work and their best self at home. And so it's an important part of our next chapter in Arizona too. That's great. Well, as we kind of um, close, out our call, close out our conversation here, um, Melinda, I wanted to ask, you know, as you um, are six, about six months six in, months. <laughs> into the role now, and you look at this audacious uh, challenge <laughs> and opportunity, right? What are you looking at through strategy or or priority over the next year as an organization? So I think it's a multi-pronged approach. As a new CEO, I'm clearly learning the internal workings of First Things First. It's a wonderful organization staffed by really passionate people for young children. We have a new strategic plan that our board approved in March. Mm. And one of the priorities in there, in addition to our programmatic strategies around early learning and family support and children's health, is systems change. Mm. And one of the things that the federal funds are providing for Arizona is this opportunity to take a breath and look at our system and say, where are the redundancies? Where can we streamline as a system? So our sister agencies like the Department of Economic Security and the uh, Department of Health Services, what are the things that we're all doing to contribute to young children's health and well-being and early learning and streamline that for families. And that's a really important opportunity that we have as a result of the ARPA funds, the COVID relief funds. So it's that systems change strategy where we're taking a moment to say, okay, we have big government agencies. We're we're big and we are barges that are hard to turn. Mm. And so we have this moment in time. It's sort of the tipping point, I think, for childcare and early learning and young children in Arizona to say, we've got a minute to systemize, system, uh, streamline our system and make it easier for families, easier for providers, and eliminate the redundancies that might exist just because things, you know, they, they happen over time. Yeah. And in addition, it's bringing this conversation to the business community. I think in the in the past, Angela talked about this before, childcare and early learning has really been seen as a parent or family issue, and in many cases, a mother's issue. Mm-hmm. And now we're understanding the impact it has statewide on our on our local economy, on our business attraction strategies from a commerce perspective bringing new businesses to Arizona and stimulating that economy long term. Mm-hmm. What do we need to do from, and it's not just the voice of providers or the voice of families in the conversation now, it's right. the voice of the business community and the policymakers. And it's a wonderful, exciting time. 
to to be here. I'm honored and humbled and feel great responsibility. Well, fantastic. Well, welcome. Thank and you. Congratulations on thank all the you. all the work so far. And thank you both for all the work that you're doing and for the partnership with Local First. If there was a final call to action for the businesses listening today, is there anything that you would leave them with? Go for it. All right. Uh, well, I think that it really is this idea of we have this opportunity. Those first five years give us that that prime opportunity to really build our children up and set them up for success in life. Well, at the same time, we can set up our state for success too. Great. Great way to end it. Love thank that. Thank you. Well, Angela and Melinda, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, we hope you uh, listening were inspired today, uh, hearing from um, some local leaders working to leave a legacy here in Arizona through doing good business and great things. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Phoenix Business Radio X, for hosting us and all of our legacy partners at Local First, including First Things First. This is Thomas Barr from Local First Arizona, reminding you that if we want to build a better Arizona, we need to connect deeply with the local businesses that make us proud to call this place our home.